you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Friday Best Bets episode in the National Basketball Association for January 19th. Joining me to break down the best bets for Friday as well as we'll get into the Pascal Siakam trade to the Pacers, what that means for them, how to bet the Pacers and Raptors in the short term. We'll talk about a few more trade stuff that might be going on uh, over the next couple of weeks is Sean Little. You know him from Twitter and the Action Network app at Chicago Flow, host of Buckets, uh, host of NBA Bet Stream tomorrow night. What's your game tomorrow night, Sean? We have Philly and Orlando. Philly at Orlando. Oh, yeah, that's right, because everyone everyone in action is going to be on Orlando, and I'm not touching it because <laughs> that's like that's one of those games that, that, that can get out of hand in a hurry. Um, to find more on... NBA bet stream, just go to the, go follow NBA bet on Twitter. It's got all of our stuff for NBA bet stream and you can catch it. Just go to the NBA app and there's like the streams button, go to the streams button and you're going to see bet stream for Sixers magic. And you can check out Sean as well as the the folks from over there. Uh, All right. So we're going to do best bets for Friday and then we'll do talk some trades reminder. Everything we talk about, award-winning action network app. You're going to find all sorts of cool stuff in there, including Brandon Anderson's Every Team, Every Game. So the cool thing about Brandon's Every Team, Every Game articles is that literally, like, it's not, here's something for every game, because you might disagree. But if you're like, look, I lean towards Niners. All right, he's got a bet for you. Oh, I lean towards Packers. He's got a bet for you. Like, no matter what angle you take, you've got it in there, as well as you can read more about the NBA trade deadline, because I'm going to have, I followed it tonight. I've got a full breakdown of all 30 teams and what their situation is going to the deadline. So if you want to know, like, are we buyers? Are we sellers? Are they going to make a move? Are they not going to make a move? What I know right now is all going to be in that article as well as we'll react to more stuff going along. All right, Sean, uh, what's your best bet for the NBA on Friday? Yeah, I got two. I'm going to go Hornets at home versus the Spurs minus four. And I'm going to go LaMelo Ball over 25 and a half points. I like that as my best of the best bets. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime that you can bet a team that's 8-30 and 30 as a favorite, I think you got to do it. 
so a lot of our folks are on that game. We'll talk about it here in a second. I've got three for you uh, on this Thursday night as we're recording this. I am going to take the Boston Celtics minus five and a half versus the Denver Nuggets. That is my absolute best bet. Uh, I will also have the over 228 and a half with the Hawks and Heat. And I'm going to take the Los Angeles Lakers minus seven versus the Brooklyn Nets. Land the wood here on a Friday. Um, let's start with this nonsensical Hornet Spurs game that everyone's very excited <laughs> about. Um, I get, look, I get it. No Victor Webanyama in this game. They already announced that he's going to miss this game, um, which is the reason why the um, Charlotte Hornets are actually favored in, in a game for once. This open three, it's already been bet to four. There's four and a half popping in the market. Um, you need to make sure that you give like a limit in terms of, is there a number that you're not going to want this, but what's your cap for Hornets and Spurs? Yeah, I'm going to get to that because I have to see uh, a number variant of where I would take it to. It depends on Zach Collins as well. He's questionable at the moment, but yes, we'll get to that and a couple other things. So yeah, Hornets minus four, and then I'll get into LaMelo. Victor Wimbayama's out. That's a big part of this cap here. Spurs without the big fella this year are 0-5. Four of those games are on the road, which they are on the road here in Charlotte. Average loss for those games, 14.75 points per game without Victor Wimbanyama in those four road losses. These teams played last week. The Spurs blew their doors off. They won by 36, but Victor had 26-11 in two blocks. He was a big reason why they had so much success against this poor Charlotte Hornets team, and that was LaMelo Ball's first game back. We'll get to that as well. They don't have enough, in my opinion, to make up for that, the the production that will be missing with Victor Wimbanyama not going. The Zach Collins piece being questionable is interesting because I think if he goes, this is a, a little bit of a different story. Collins potentially worth maybe a half point. I think with Victor out and him coming in, potentially move maybe a half there. If he's out, I think it gets to minus five. I would still play it at that minus five number on the Hornets. The Spurs have been playing well of late, but I think a massive piece of this, and like I said, a massive piece of the cap, is because of Victor Wimbanyama. He's averaging 24-10-3 in January. Without him, they're not going to be able to fill that production hole, especially if Zach Collins is out. Even if he is in, I still don't think they could they could fill that production hole, and I think we get a better number here on the Hornets. So I'm going to lay it with them. I mean, it's not a bad cap here. I don't I don't want Spurs. There's no like there's no situation in which I want the Spurs without Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. Um, my problem is actually an injury on the other side, which is that Gordon Hayward is out for this game. He's still out yeah. for this game. We talked about this last week. Yeah. Yeah. This is just and Mark Williams is out too, but this is like such a big deal for me. In order to bet the Charlotte Hornets, I have to have Gordon Hayward playing. Since 2022-23, since the start of last season, okay? So they had, like, the good season, and then everything fell apart last year, and here we are. Since the start of last season, without Hayward, they are 14-30-1 against the spread without Hayward. Now, they are almost always dogs. It's just 2-2 two and two when, they, when they're favorites. They've only been favorites four times here. I would actually say that instead of that being like a, it negates the trend, it's more of just like, well, we don't know. Like, we don't have enough. We got four games where they're favored. Um, they are home. I get that. I, like, I can't get there on a power rating basis on this game at all. I can't get anywhere close to this number. Again, no no, no interest from me in betting San Antonio here. I'm not like, ooh, you know what? Where there's real value is if I bet on the Spurs without Wemby. That sounds awesome. 
Uh, I make this though. Look, I make this a pick 'em at full strength. What what am I going to give Victor Wembanyama? Am, am I going to give him five points? He's, he, he, you don't think he's worth four, four and a half though to that team and the way he's been playing as of late? I think it might I think be up. I, I think, think it might floor, be up there. I think their floor is so low. I'm willing to like he's great. I'm willing to give him three. That's very generous for a rookie who is still not necessarily all that efficient or impactful and whose team is still bad. Like three points is like, that's a lot of credit. That's a generational amount of talent given his situation. And so I still can't get there. I still would be a point and a half short. I can't, I guess with home court now, cause like my number even factors in Charlotte home court, which has not been good this season. I can't get there. I understand why you want it. We'll see. I, I wish everyone luck, but unless Gordon Hayward is in, <laughs> I am not been, uh, the Charlotte yeah. Hornets. Uh, tell me though, Lamelo Lamelo Ball back in action. Tell me why you like him uh, and the prop that you like for him tonight. Yeah, and the last piece on the the four, I think with the market getting to opening and then getting to four, and now leaning towards four and a half, getting over that full possession of a three, I'd be a lot more nervous if this was like two and a half. Now that it's getting out to four, four and a half potentially gets up to five. I also really like that number for Charlotte there. It's not, a, it's not a very short favorite there. That's a, that's, that's a possession plus. So that made me feel a lot better with that number on Charlotte. Let's get to LaMelo Ball. Over 25 and a half points. I think this number's flat out too low. In the three games that he's been back since missing all of December, he's averaging 26 points per game. And that's coming off 29 versus the Pelicans the last time out, who I love. Their physicality, top 7-8 defense in the NBA for me. So for him to come out in that second game, or that third game back, in his last time out to score 20 or 29 in that spot. I thought that was really encouraging. Matt Moore, guess who gives up the most points to point guards in the NBA? San Antonio Spurs. 28.14 on average to point guards nightly. LaMelo just scored 28 against the Spurs in the first game back, and he did it shooting 5 of 14 from the floor. He got to the line 16 times, made 15 of them. Let's talk about LaMelo's home road splits. He likes playing at home. He scores a lot more points at home, especially this season. 27.3 points per game at home versus 22.4 on the road. Nine games at home, nine on the road. So it's split down the middle there. He gets busy at home. And if you go back to last year, he averages a point and a half more at home than he does on the road. And he shoots 3.1 percentage points better at home. Brandon Miller is also questionable. In this spot, I like it even more if he doesn't go. But 25 and a half against it, against in a spot where he just scored 28 against the same team. This is now his first game being back home off of the injury. They're coming off of a day off. I like LaMelo Ball to go crazy. And if you're going to make Charlotte a four-point favorite, I don't see how they come close to even being anywhere near that number without LaMelo yeah. Ball scoring yeah, 26, 27. Mm-hmm. 30 points. So yep. that's the that's also encouraging for the number. I really like LaMelo Ball to go over 25 and a half points. If Brandon Miller doesn't go, I love it in that spot. Okay. So I'm going to take the Hornets and I'm going to back LaMelo to score 26 at home. Brandon Miller doesn't go. I'm looking at sprinkling plus 195, plus 200, depending on where you're looking on LaMelo to score 30. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if you like this cap, again, I don't. But if you like this cap, I think you should definitely look for the escalators and you should look for stuff like triple-double too because, like, if Brandon Miller's not, like, no Hayward, no Brandon Miller, no Mark, like, Lamella's going to try and do everything. He's just going to do all of it. And this is, like, the opportunity for him to look good. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I was expecting you to go to, hey, no Victor Wabanyama, so the Spurs defense is going to suck, 
right? I, that's why I thought you would go, and you didn't go there because I was going to actually rebut with with saying that, like, look, Lamelo's at fifty five percent at the rim this season, nineteenth percentile league wide. So I don't know what that's going to really do for um for for helping him out. He can't make make shots at the rim anyway. So I think it's a a real problem. Yeah, but I think for, that's what that's what happened the first time they played, right? He couldn't he couldn't finish at the rim. He was five of fourteen, yep. and he still scored twenty eight. Got to the line yeah. sixteen times. So if he if he even shapes up a bit and goes to the line ten times, eleven times, we're really close to this number. And he's at home for the first time since coming back. He'll be looking forward to playing in that game on a Friday night. I think Lamelo Ball goes crazy on the scoring side in this matchup in the spot that they know they're not favorites very often. They're going to come in here and try to get this W. We talked about that last week as well. Twenty five and a half is too short for Lamelo in this spot. Yeah, also, Lamelo will shoot a bunch of threes, and the Spurs are bottom 10 in three-pointers allowed per 100 possessions. Um, they are relatively decent at not putting teams on the line. They are 13th in opponent free-throw attempt rate. So they're pretty yeah. good on that one, but, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. I can see the cap. Uh, I see the vision. Uh, I, I cannot get there because uh, I am known game. Lamelo. I'm also like a <laughs> known Lamelo hater, though, so this, that's also uh, part of this. Is I don't think he could lead a... Hey, that's Water. the thing about betting, though, Matt. Like empty, empty <laughs> points, points in a blowout. Yeah. I don't care where they come, how they come. As long as he scores twenty six, we'll cash ticket. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The uh, opposite of that game, the opposite of, of Hornet Spurs, is Celtics Nuggets. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lay the five and a half with the Boston Celtics. So they are 4-0 the last four seasons at home versus the Nuggets. Um, it's a really good matchup for the Celtics in Boston. I think it's a really good matchup. The The Nuggets this season are 11 and 10 on the road. It's a good mark, right? That's a good, like, that's a good mark. If you're above 500 on the road, you're you're pretty good. One of those was the Clippers game where they beat them without Nikola Jokic and like there's some randoms in there as well the overall performance over the last two seasons with what I would describe as this Nuggets core KCP plus the the big four it's not good on the road like this is not a good road team they're a great home team not a great road team that's not to say that they are a bad road team they're just not a great one relative to how good the Nuggets are typically Boston on the other hand obviously with the undefeated streak on the line is awesome at home you know, like they're they're just absolutely incredible. So I've got this power rated at eight, uh, and that seems right to me. And that may seem very high for the defending champs. You just got to keep in mind that the regular season Nuggets are not the same as the playoff Nuggets. Like they're just not the same versus like the regular season Celtics and the playoff Celtics. To be honest, 
kind of the same deal. Like that, my power rating will not go. I will not manually adjust the, the Celtics up for a power rating in the playoffs. I will absolutely do so for game one of the playoffs for the Nuggets. Um, they do have Chris Dapps Porzingis to put on Joker. Joker's going to get his. He's Joker, right? The more important thing is that they have Derek White and Drew Holiday to put on Jamal Murray. And so you're going to be able to limit that two-man game. And if you're able to limit that two-man game, they can get a little out of sorts offensively. And that really helps Boston out. I have a lean to the under in this game uh, based off of like what my model projects here. I projected uh, within range of, of playing an under. I'm going to stay away because I don't like having two bets on the same game. Uh, cause if, if your cap, if like the model is incorrect in its estimation, you're just, you're screwed. And it may be a case of yeah. Boston just bombs because the, the big problem is that the Nuggets defense on the road is significantly worse. I don't think the Nuggets are going to be able to get stops on the road. I don't think that the Nuggets are going to be able to score efficiently enough. Boston's an excellent home court team. The Nuggets are coming off of that frustrating loss to the Sixers. They are still on the road versus another quality opponent. They do not have a lot of wins over five against teams over 500 on the road this season. I will go ahead and lay the five and a half at less than two possessions. This is not an estimation of like where I think the gap is at between the two teams in pursuit of the title, but it is absolutely a representation of where I think the two teams are uh, at this point in the regular season with Boston at home. So I'm going to lay the five and a half of the Celtics. Yeah. I love what you said about not having two bets on the same game when it comes to like side and total yeah. over the years, I have done this on multiple occasions and you're essentially boxing yourself in and you're trying to predict a game perfectly. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to do. That's a lesson for anybody that's listening. When you start betting and also why I believe you start to see, especially on the NFL side, why you start to see inflated, parlay numbers when you tie up totals and sides it's because you're essentially trying to predict the game exactly how it's going to play out and it's very difficult to do and when you get in a spot where you go down a certain amount of points you're essentially the ticket's dead because you're on an under and your team can't come back and cover the number because you're on the under as well so be careful when you think about boxing yourself in when you're playing a total and a side it can get very hairy very quickly and you just hate yourself because you could have just picked one or the other and then you end up boxing yourself in. Yeah, really good points. I think two things kind of correlated to that. One, I think this is very specifically a regular season thing. In the playoffs, we're playing much more matchups, right? Like we're we're very focused on playoffs. So I'm more okay if you're like, look, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take the under on this game too, because if if it's like they're not winning if it's an over game. Like there's a lot of those situations, right? right? Or or they're not winning if it's an under game. In the regular season, there's so much more variance, especially from the three-point line, that you're right. at risk if you're playing an under in a game where, you, like, that's the thing is I could be absolutely right here on, yeah, no, Boston beat them by six because Boston shot the lights out versus a porous Nuggets defense. And even though the Celtics defense was able to limit Denver, it also turned them over, which created easy points the other way, and that boosted the pace and the total. So, there are ways for you to incorporate all these things into, into a same game or to be able to correlate it or just to play the two. And I also understand being like, look, value is value. Like we got two different numbers here. You're showing value on both of them. From my perspective, I'm just like, I don't want the liability on any one game. And I don't want to walk out of this being honestly for how, how many bets I make in the regular season. I don't want to walk out of this being like, I got the five and a half, but I lost the under and I came out minus the juice. So I'm going to go yeah. ahead and leave that one alone. 
Um, yeah. Over 228 and a half Hawks Heat. This one's a, a number play. It's also a trend play. The Miami Heat at home this season, 11 and 8 to the over. They have had back-to-back unders, but that was versus the Magic and the Hornets, uh, which obviously the Hornets without a lot of firepower as of late. Um, the Hawks are, have been over team all season. And Miami's three-point shooting is starting to really dip back down into where it used to be. The Hawks are what's good for what ails you there. They'll probably kick that back up. Um, I don't under like this number being this low is is just way too low for me at two twenty eight and a half. I have it projected closer to closer to two thirty eight. So I've got a lot of leeway on this. I'll like this number at whatever. Um, a lot of this is just like, look, the Hawks are a great over team. If you see a number that is favorable towards the over and then the Hawks are playing, you should probably like that's the side that I want to be on is is um, the over in that spot. Uh, finally, I'll take the Los Angeles Lakers minus seven versus the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets for much of the first half of the season were the best team uh, against the spread in basketball. They shoot a lot of threes. They have a lot of ways to attack you. Um, they, uh, they're great at offensive rebounding. I like the way that the Nets play. They're at the end of a West Coast road trip, and they are banged up, and they are tired, and you can tell. And they are really starting to waver, and that's very evident with how like the Nets look. Uh, I think the Nets are pretty good. But not only are they um, starting to really get beat up here. I mean, they have not covered in. They have covered once in their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven games. So we've got an opportunity here to fade um, Brooklyn again on the road after uh, losing to the Blazers, and it seems like that's a bounce back spot. They'll get up for this Lakers game. The Lakers have been great at home. The Lakers have one of the strongest home court advantages by my metrics. It's not even necessarily that I like the Lakers that much, but I like the Lakers at home very much, and we've been playing that pretty consistently. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the seven here. That are, This has already been moving up. Um, there's a six and a half juiced. Just, I, I honestly think you should just lay the seven if you're listening to this before those numbers move. I'm going to check it in the app right now. Yeah, it's still the minus six and a half juice. There's a seven in the market. You can see it using the action app. Just lay the seven. Like I don't, that half point of value, I don't think is is worth it because I've got this near ten, and so I think that you're good to just go ahead and lay the extra point. The other thing I would kind of say here is like, what do the Nets not have? They don't have any front court. They got no front court. It's all wings and guards chucking threes, and I like it. Like if you're going to be this type of team, I think you should. That's how you should play. The problem is that the Lakers at home, again at home, are very good at Anthony Davis shuts off the water at the rim, and they let you just kind of chuck and you're never in rhythm, and you're not penetrating and then kicking, you're not creating good shots. You're just kind of hoisting against a defense that will allow you to shoot threes, and you're in L.A. L.A. nightlife is undefeated. All of that leads me to I'll take the Lakers minus seven here versus the Nets. Yeah, the only thing, I agree with you wholeheartedly about everything you said about the Nets. The only thing is every time the Lakers start to feel themselves a little bit, they start to fucking relax. They haven't won four games in a row all season long. This will be their fourth game in a row on a win. LeBron starts to make noise. He starts to chirp. His post-game interviews, he's sulking. He's responding. Look at the difference. He's calling out people he's short with reporters when they're losing. They win three games in a row. He's having a blast. He's watching Bronny as he jokes around in the middle of his presser. And they're starting to feel good again. Like, okay, we actually have... We're competing. We're at home. We're getting W's. And then now they have to come in on a Friday night versus a team that they know they're better than and they know that they should get a W against. And then now we're asking them to win by margin by quite a bit. 
So that's the only thing that gives me a bit of pause. But Anthony Davis should have a monster game in this matchup. So you're right. Anthony Davis with a favorable matchup at home is tough to fade the Lakers. Hopefully they're not feeling themselves too much. They can win the fourth game in a row for the first time this year and then start to really stack some of this stuff up before they get on the road. I have a weird trend for you. Uh, teams after they play the Blazers this season, okay? Uh, every team, like the combined <laughs> records of all teams in the game after they play the Portland Trailblazers, 18 and 21 straight up at 46%, 17, 21 and 1 at 45% against the spread. So a little bit of an edge mm. there as well as the Nets just got done losing to the Blazers. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, all right, let's go wrap it up for best bets. We'll move on and talk some trade stuff. As a reminder, uh, Sean is taking the Charlotte fucking Hornets as a favorite and LaMelo Ball <laughs> over 25 and a half. Uh, I've got Celtics minus five and a half, the over 228 and a half Hawks heat and Lakers minus seven. All right, Sean. So on Wednesday, it was a crazy day in the NBA as Pascal Siakam was traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers send Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara and three first round picks. They send their own pick in 2024, which will be probably somewhere between 17 and 22, depending on where they end up. They send um, the worst of there's like four teams. It's uh, Oklahoma, no, Houston, Utah, OKC, and the Clippers. Whatever's the worst of those, they'll send. That one's probably going to be between 26. Five and twenty and thirty and thirty. Honestly, it could still be um, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Probably thirty, twenty five and twenty nine. We'll call it right. Thunder or Clippers are going to finish somewhere between twenty five and twenty nine. And then they sent a two thousand and twenty six pick, first round pick from the Pacers as well. Top four protected. Um, all in all, the Raptors are able to say they got three picks for Pascal Siakam. They're going to reroute Bruce Brown. The Knicks are interested in that deal. We'll talk about some of the corollary issues, but let's talk about Pascal too the Pacers. Um, we always have to kind of look at the markets and be like, okay, how do you, how do you bet this? Like there's a major trade. How do you bet this? There is not like a great opportunity in my mind off the bat to bet this in particular, because there's the market always overreacts in the aftermath of these trades. So even if we were able to get like live wind markets, which those were not up the last time I checked that the market would automatically be overreacting to the hype around Pascal Siakam. We see this routinely where whenever there's a trade, it's just like bump, 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 bump. Oh, they got a good player. Bump, bump, bump. It's going to take them a little bit of time to get them integrated. Like Pascal's going to probably make his debut tomorrow versus the Blazers. Tyrese Halliburton's likely to be back. So they should be fun as hell, but it might take them a little bit of time to kind of get together. They're too far behind the Bucks and the Cavaliers, so I don't want them for division. The value is all gone on to make the playoffs. We told you to get that early this year. I told you, like, I said it on Buckets and Green Out Daily, and I wrote a column in November being like, get on the Pacers right now to make the playoffs. That's looking awesome. Um, there's not, I don't think, a way to fade them because I don't necessarily want to bet them to make the play-in tournament. You can go that route if you want, if you just think that Heat and, and Knicks and whoever else finish above them. Kobe White. 
Kobe, Kobe White. Uh, I don't think that there's like a great angle to take here in terms of betting the Pacers, but the short-term impacts I think we can talk about as far as like what this means for them and the playoffs in particular, I will say like this upgrades them a lot in how I will cap them for the playoffs because of what Siakam's going to bring to the table. Absolutely. This addressed everything the Indiana Pacers needed. Uh, I want, I have a question for you when, when we get, when I get done on the initial comment, but because, you know, everyone wants to talk about winning trades and losing trades. But when we're talking about what the Pacers acquired in Pascal Siakam, it's, it's, it's everything that they need, that they were missing. A guy on the offensive end that can create their own shot, if necessary, because Halliburton wants to set. Halliburton's main goal every possession is to set up somebody for an easy shot. And then when he feels like scoring, he'll try to score, right? So, like, that's what, that's what Halliburton wants to do. But – it is nice to have a guy you could just dump it down to and let him go to work and get his own bucket. That's not Obi Toppin. Like he doesn't, he has to set Obi Toppin up every time he wants to do something. And that's not necessarily the case for Pascal. We can flip it on the defensive side of the rock and um, he improves them tremendously. And that's where they needed a ton of help. The versatility of Pascal Siakam is always what made him so attractive to so many teams, similar to OJ and Obi because you could he could go to a lot of places and make a big impact. You could going back to the offensive side of the ball, he could create in the post. He could do a lot of different things that the Indiana Pacers are going to find extremely useful on offense and on defense. I think it's a great get for Halliburton. He's excited. I'm interested to see Pascal can also run the break really well. I don't know. I'm interested to see how well he runs the break at this pace with Halliburton. But that's all. Yeah. It's it's still a positive positive yeah. thing that I'm looking forward to seeing. It's not like I don't think he could run the break. I want to see what it looks like with Halliburton as the trigger man. But Pascal can do a lot of different things, and he's going to impact them greatly on both ends of the ball. He's an underrated passer. He's an underrated defender. Uh, doesn't He doesn't have the ability to space the floor, but that's fine. Like One of the great things here is Miles Turner, is that you have Miles Turner, who's a legit stretch five, who like people forget like he's an annual DPOI candidate. Pacers are 11th in defense over the past three weeks via clean the glass. Like they've been really good defensively. Siakam's only going to make them better. They're going to be able to, to actually uh, defend big wings, have more shot blocking. You can switch with Siakam and Turner. You can play zone. You can like, it opens up the board for Carlisle more than it does for anybody else. But you mentioned him and Halliburton you know, like being able to dub it down and like, yeah, Siakam can ISO and do some of that stuff on his own. They can also run DHO. Like you can run DHO action with yep. Siakam at pinch post with Halley coming around the edge and then Siakam rolling or popping for a yep. short jumper. That works as well with Turner in the dunker spot. Or you can run it with Turner and Halley and now Siakam's the one in the dunker spot. And you yep. don't have to sacrifice spacing if you need it because you do have guys that can space the floor appropriately. Um, it's going to help in the non-Halliburton minutes, which have been so poor. You're going to have Siakam next to those TJ McConnell units, like him and TJ will play really well together. You're going to be able to balance these things a little bit more. And that's going to be really crucial. Um, We kind of saw in the, and this is a big thing in the end season tournament final, the Lakers blitzed Halley and we're just like any fucking buddy else. Yep. Not Halliburton. Halliburton. We're going to body and we're going to absolutely, we're going to throw multiple big bodies at him. You do that when Siakam is on the floor. And if Halley hits him on short roll, that's really dangerous because, like I said, Siakam's a really great – he's great driving. He's great finishing. 
He can pull up short midi, and he's a great passer to the corner. They will gen- like their offense will get. It's not necessarily the offense will get better because it was already so good. It's that with Siakam, it'll it gives them more solutions to problems. Which to me, that's the fun foundational thing about playoff basketball. How many solves do you have for what the opponent is going to throw at you? And this gives them way more. So yeah. yeah, like they're upgraded in the market. There's a 46 and a half on the win total. I've got them right now at 46. That's before an adjustment for Siakam. I'll probably give them based off of the difference between Bruce Brown and Siakam. That's probably a two point bump. So like I've got them probably at 48 right now. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to win 48 games. That means that's what I will project them on based off of their current performance level. But like I said, it's going to take some time. We might be able to get a better number here. Like if this, if it doesn't go swimmingly, the market reacts the same way where it's like, there's all this hype guy gets traded, super hype number goes up. Oh, it's not as good. Sharps come in on the under. Cause it's not as good. Number goes back down. And then we can maybe get a live win total here near all-star break um, somewhere back around 44, 45, which that's to me is still choice. If you can find anything better than that, anything below 45 and a half, I think is a bet on the over with this Pacers team. Cause I do think they're going to be better in the second half of the season. Um, yeah. What, what really thing you want to add? A couple, yeah. 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 A couple things. Co- yeah. A couple things. And I do have the question. Um, funny. You said DHO because someone asked me what that meant the other day. So dribble handoff is what yeah. that is, what that means. So in case anybody was wondering, and didn't want to scramble to the Google. I was actually talking about dribble DHL the other day. It was pretty funny. So I was, I was I laughed when you brought that up. Uh, a couple couple more things. Going back to what you said about the Pacers being 11th in defensive rating as of late. Now, if you go back weeks ago, I talked about how it seems like when Indiana wants to play defense, they can. Now, yep. let's go back to the in-season tournament since Matt brought it up. They played phenomenal D against Milwaukee in that tournament and have shown really big stretches against Milwaukee, who we know is one of the top offenses in the NBA, and absolutely giving them a lot of trouble. They're a bad matchup overall for Milwaukee, and I think it gets worse here with Pascal Siakam. But let's talk about the the Lakers. Matt laid it out. They blitzed uh, Halliburton relentlessly in that championship game. I was on Halliburton under 28.5 points in that game because that's what I knew the game plan was going to be because they just had no answer, and Halliburton was going crazy all tournament anyway. And we knew he was going to have to do that for them to beat the Lakers. Now, what else happened in that game? Anthony Davis just destroyed inside and Miles Turner. Went absolutely ballistic. And that was a big part of them winning that game. Pascal Siakam is going to help in that area as well. This is a really good fit get for Indiana. And if it does, as Matt laid out, go swimmingly early, this could potentially be a 48-49 win pushing a 50 ball win from the Pacers in my opinion and that's where we talk about them making the playoffs in that 6 seed rather than have to going have rather than have to go through the playing tournament they they won't because they're super confident i'm just saying the team that should be like god damn it should be the bucks yeah already lost to him multiple times pacers have had their number you add Siakam, who is on the team and central to defending Giannis back in 2019 in the upset. <laughs> Absolutely. The team has had a lot of success with the, the nemesis, Fred Van Vliet. Um, they've had a lot of success in that. Like, this is, it's not about like holding Giannis down. You're not going to do that. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He's a top three player in the NBA. It's about, can you make it tough on him? Can you frustrate him? Can you play physical? And they can play physical. 
and that is just another dimension to them. Um, they are mostly done, I would say. Uh, I think they are still kind of working around the edges. The biggest thing here is like they managed to do this deal. The original contract of this trade that I heard about was Bruce Brown, Isaiah Jackson, and draft compensation. They managed to keep Isaiah Jackson, Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard, who I heard that the Raptors were very high on, uh, and of course kept out ben- Benedict Matherin. Like them keeping all of those yeah. guys and only sending out Bruce Brown is huge. Now Brown, I think, is going to be like a really important piece to track here. Uh, the way that his, his contract is structured, and I don't get to do a lot. Of, I used to do a lot of cap stuff, and then I kind of learned that oh, if an NBA team wants something to happen and the player wants it yeah. to happen, they'll just fucking figure it out. I don't need to worry about whether or not they have cap room. They'll solve it. But the contract for Bruce Brown is particularly important because certain contracts are more appealing and more easier for teams to be like, yeah, we'll take that on. Then, I don't know, say if you're, I don't know, like a smallish guard in Chicago making $50 million a year. It's (laughs) a little bit harder. Or like an Evan Fournier type type guy. This Bruce Brown contract is perfect. Team option right. on the second, on the back half, it's, I think, what is it, 20, 21, 22 million? It's yeah. a very fair, easy deal, and Bruce can play. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a dead 20. So, no. yeah, it's a very easy contract to move around. Knicks are interested. That makes a lot of sense. They could probably yeah. throw Fournier along with one of the younger guys. I know that there's um, some unhappiness uh, with, with some of the guys in the rotation. Uh, the Raptors are looking for, they're not just looking to shed salary. They want young rotation guys to match up with Barnes. That's like, if you look at it, it makes perfect sense when you kind of like, when you take a step back and look at what they've done, it's like, oh, okay. They got Barrett and quickly, and now they're going to try and swap Bruce for guys that are younger. They want all guys that line up with Barnes's timeline. And that makes a lot of sense. Like Siakam, 29. OG was 27. Bruce is 28. That's why he's probably out the door. He did play tonight, which, by the way, props to him for just showing up and going to work. Um, (laughs) There's a number of teams that that, you don't say that often in the NBA. I know, I know, I know. There's a lot of teams that are going to want him. Um, Denver will be desperate. Denver will be throwing Zeke Naji and picks and whatever else at the Raptors to try and get Bruce Brown is probably not going to happen because they can't make the money work. Um, Knicks are a team that's obviously interested. That makes a lot of sense. Brooklyn is going to be interested. That makes a lot of sense. What I would say is the Knicks and, and the Knicks and Nets both need to be a little bit cognizant. I personally, having covered Bruce in Denver, don't think that Bruce wants to be. I don't. I don't think that Bruce is necessarily huge on the drama that comes with playing in New York. He did not enjoy yeah. his Nets experience. Like he loved those guys. He has like long term relationships and friendships with those teammates. Interesting. But, yeah. Like. I just don't know that like he was a lot a lot more comfortable in Denver. Um, so that may be a spot where another team can get in. Another team that I would probably look at is the Orlando Magic, who have young players that fit the Raptors timeline that they are actively trying to move, in particular Markel Fultz. They would probably be more willing to sign Bruce Brown, have him operate as like he's the quote point guard and that means that Franz Wagner, Palaban Caro have the ball the most time. Because one of the challenges that the Magic are kind of in is the Magic have to find find an option that's an upgrade for them in the backcourt that they can keep long-term, who's going to be good enough to raise their floor, but isn't going to need the ball so much that they're taking it away from Franz and Paolo. And to be honest, Suggs with the way he's played as of late. So like they have to, they're, they're trying to 
thread a very thin needle here. Um, so that's one thing I think to keep an eye on. Now, let me ask you this. Does Bruce Brown have enough juice to be like, yeah, I'm not interested in going to New York? And potentially if New York, if the Knicks can package up a deal that is for guys that they plan on departing from anyway, they yeah. pick up Bruce Brown for the rest of this year, right. pick up the $22 million team option, and then say, yep. hey, bud, you're, you're Nick. Suit yep. up, play and, ball. So and, maybe and, that's, and, a, that's where it gets no, interesting. Yeah, well, I'll tell you that. Like, if that's the case, like, Bruce is going to show up and he's going to play well and he's going to do his thing. Like, Bruce is never going right. to – like, the fact that he showed up in in Toronto as the first player in the, involved in this trade to play or showed up with the Raptors on the West Coast road trip and was just like, yeah, I'll play, it shows you, like, his professionalism. Like, that dude's right. always going to be a total pro. He's going to do the right thing no matter what. So um, you don't have to worry about that if you trade for him. It's more a matter of, like, hey, if you're looking for, like, a long-term solution, maybe right. keep that in mind. Um, sure. The – I got asked this question, which is if I was looking at futures markets, who are the teams that have the most upside? And this is always a really dangerous question because I can't ever, I can't ever speak in certainties. Like most of the information that I get and quite honestly, like most of the stuff you hear, not all, like there's top level guys, but most of the stuff that you hear with the trade rumor stuff, it's outdated. It's stuff that has been, that was processed and discussed and then got spread and then got put like shared. And then it winds up somewhere else or um, an executive will tell you something like, oh yeah, this, they, we had talks about this and it's like, yeah, we had talks about this and they don't tell you when. And, it's, and then you come back and you're like, why didn't you have talked about this? And they're like four months ago. So it's like, that's <laughs> not really, or three weeks ago, even at this point. Right. Um, that said, the Lakers are, are, are going to try and get a point guard. Uh, I reported on green dot daily and in the column that I've got up a couple of names to keep in mind for the Lakers. It's not Zach Levine. DeJounte Murray's target number one that's out there that no, everybody knows that Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers or the Blazers is probably tied with Spencer Dinwiddie. Those are the two guys that I would, I would look at. I think in Brooklyn's case, they don't want D'Lo back. So you're going to have to find a third team to send D'Lo to. Um, Atlanta, I think might be actually willing to take on D'Lo with Brogdon. They might be willing to take on D'Lo, but it's going to take more draft compensation. Like they're just going to want you to do this. Um, from a wing perspective, I don't expect Jeremy Grant to go anywhere, which is why the small forward market is going to get really competitive, especially with Siakam off the table. Like he's a power forward, but like forwards are what few people are looking for. The Kings are looking right. for a forward. The Mavericks are looking for a forward. Those are two buyers in the Western Conference who could get upgrades. Like those, those are the teams that I think are looking at the at the boat most. The reason I don't think they're bettable is that one, I think like, there's probably value on Dallas right now, just based off of projections and how they're playing. Like their win total is still 45 and a half. I may hit that tonight. Like I just think they're going to go over the Kings. On the other hand, I don't know if they were to get a versatile forward. That's not a star. What does that do for them? Like what's really, if they got Andrew Wiggins or if they got Tobias Harris, or if they got any of the guys that fit in that, I'll say Jeremy Grant, even though, Sean Hyken of the Rose Report spoke with Grant. And he's like, I'm good here. I'm not going to ask out. I'm good here. Everyone around the league is acting like Jeremy Grant's going to get traded. But yeah, Jeremy Grant and the Blazers, the like Jeremy Grant and the Blazers are like, no. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, so I kind of ask you this question, though, with the Kings. If they were to get an upgrade, say, like Tobias Harris versus Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant versus Harrison Barnes, something at that level, does that move you anywhere with Kings futures, division, something, anything? It would it would really depend on who the player was. Jeremy Grant going to the Kings to swap out Harrison Barnes wouldn't move me 
that much yeah. because of the comp in the West, but it would upgrade the team. They, I mean, like they have two really good pieces. What Swiper Fox is doing on the offensive end is not being talked about enough. Number seven yeah. in the league in scoring. He's been sensational on the offensive end. And uh, Sabonis has, I believe, 10 triple doubles in the last, like, two months. So yep. his playmaking on that end as well has been really good. But that was, been, that was the story last year. And you wanted to see a jump from Swiper Fox. He has made, he has done that. But remember, we talked about Malik Monk coming in. Could he be the sixth man of the year? That hasn't panned out like we thought, or like I thought it would. I thought he would potentially be. I bet him. I bet him last night. <laughs> it's. I think another thing too is like they don't get a lot of attention. It's always really quiet. But if they do sure. add, and, and Jeremy Grant is one of those guys, I think he's good and under an underrated piece that would help them tremendously. But the comp is just so tough. It'd be it'd be hard for me to to I, put it like this. Any slip I printed on the Kings would feel like a stretch in and, and, and division in the West and anywhere else. I mean, one of my problems is in the market, they're 47 and a half on the live win total. Like, I think that's too high, right? right. So it's like, all right, if your average, if your average upgrade of small forward, because Harrison Barnes is a pretty good player. So even if you, if you like trade for a guy, is the difference between Harrison Barnes and another guy going to be three wins? No. Right. Yeah. So it's like, if, even if they got an upgrade, if I have them under, it just evens out. So I don't, there's no real value. And I, I've already like the Clippers ticket I have on division. That's the one that I'm just like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just, I'm good. Yeah. Very good. I'm holding the line. The Clippers are going to win the division. I'm going to make money on that and I'm good there. Um, That's going to do it for kind of wrapping up the the trade discussion and everything we got kind of going on. Um, We will react as more news comes in. Uh, This one we decided to wait because I want to get Sean's thoughts on it. Uh, if more trades happen, we will let you know and we'll do emergency pods. We'll be back on Sunday night with the future Jays. We'll do, uh, not only will we do best bets for Monday, but we're going to do six man of the year. And I still have a very good value for you bet on six man of the year. You can hear that on Sunday. Uh, thanks for joining me. Make sure to check out Sean on Twitter and in the action network app at Chicago flow. My thanks to David Payne and our producers for putting this up on the podcast side. My thanks to Hutton Jackson and the video crew for getting this up on youtube.com slash the action network. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time till then let's get buckets. Action network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.